From Texas to Florida, new job, new community, new church, and a whole lot of change for Jonathan Bowman. Stick around and we'll get to know our special guest today on Here at Home. Welcome to the Here at Home podcast, a podcast about the people here at McGregor, their stories, their ministry, and their love for Jesus. My name is Mark Bricker, and if this is your first time to the show, welcome. And if you're enjoying the Here at Home podcast, I would encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. That way you'll get each new episode delivered right to your podcast player. So join me in welcoming our guest for today's podcast, Mr. Jonathan Bowman. Welcome, Jonathan. Mm, thanks, Mark. So glad to have you here on the show. And uh, and I guess I need to say welcome to Florida. That's right. Welcome to Fort right. Myers. Welcome to McGregor. And welcome to the podcast studios here at McGregor Baptist Church. All of the above. All of the above. So today's episode is all about getting to know you, our newest ministerial staff person. Now... A few weeks back, you had the opportunity to introduce yourself to our entire church family in our three morning services. And you had all of three, about three minutes, I think. It was very brief. To introduce yourself. And and even with that, you had to share that time with your wife. So you didn't even get all the three minutes. So you get a little more time today for folks to get to know you. So that's that's kind of the whole focus. Uh, So our McGregor folks and even beyond McGregor can get to know Jonathan a little bit better. All right, so you're ready? I'm fairly sure that I'm ready. Fairly sure. Okay. <laughs> let's let's start at the very beginning. Okay. Where were you born? <laughs> well, I was bo- born at a very early age uh, in uh, Conroe, Texas. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's a, I guess, Conroe, Texas. Uh, my, my dad and mom were pastoring in the woodlands. And then... Um, Is that outside Houston? Yeah, it's outside Houston, Texas. And I was a uh, preemie. So I was like three weeks early. Early. Oh. So I was a little three pound... Uh, kid when I was born. Uh, funny, I guess I could tell you the whole story. It's not that entertaining, but apparently I was born dead and they had to bring me back on a, on a machine. Wow. Yeah. Had holes in my lungs and they had to wrap tubes in, tubes in my lungs. And I didn't go home until I was born November 29th. I didn't go home until February. So you had a rough start early on. Yeah. Yeah. And that was just three weeks early and you had all that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful that uh, they were able to. So is the rest of the world. No, patch, patch all that up. And, <laughs> Me too. Uh, so you're in the hospital three months then. Yeah. November. Yeah. December. January, almost more than three months, maybe. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. It was rough. Well, you, you you seem to have turned out physically just fine with being three born three pounds and something to. Yeah, I was supposed to. I, th- I think my dad used to make a joke. I was supposed to be like five foot four and weigh 100 pounds, but I made up for it. So (laughs) you did. Anyway, you exceeded expectations. Yes. Okay. So born in Conroe, Texas. Right. Uh, Were were you raised in Conroe, Texas? No, I was raised all around. So I can give you the quick rundown, I guess. So um, we're in the Woodlands, Texas until I was about four or five. And then my dad uh, uh, pastored another church. My mom and dad were in ministry. And then my dad pastored another church in Giddings, Texas. We were there till I was probably uh, seven. And then from there, uh, we went with the Foreign Mission Board at the time, International Mission Board now, right. to um, Richmond, Virginia to train. And then we transitioned over to St. Lucia uh, when I was probably, uh, I guess, eight years old, around eight years old. We mm. went to St. Lucia. And we were there for about a year and a half. 
and uh, yeah. And then a long story, but my dad got sick, so we had to come back on medical furlough. And (laughs) I've just lived a bunch of places. So we lived in St. Lucia, then we lived in Lancaster, went to school in Red Oak, Lancaster, Texas, went to school in Red Oak, Texas. Um, Went from there to uh, Dallas, Texas, from there to Greenville, Texas, from there to, um, let's see, from there to uh, Barbados, the island of Barbados. Is that back on the yep. mission field? Yep. And then when I was about uh, 15 and a half, we moved to Wichita Falls. And I was in Wichita Falls till I graduated high school, went four years to college. Longest place I'd been anywhere was when I was in college. When I was in college. Mm. Where'd you go to college? Uh, Washita Baptist University. Yep. Yep. So good old Baptist school. Arkadelphia, right? That's right. Arkadelphia, Arkansas. So yeah, it's right on the border there, isn't it? Yeah. I'm surprised you know that. Most people don't know that. See? Yeah, they look at you funny. Where'd you go to school? Washita, and they don't know that. And you say it's in Arkadelphia, and they think you're pulling their leg or something. Like, <laughs> is that a real place? So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I actually was in Arkansas for three years in Cabot outside of Little Rock, and that's how I got familiar with some of those places oh, okay. in Arkansas. Well, cool. Yeah, that's great. So, yeah, I went there. I went there on a vocal scholarship. Uh, they offered me the most money out of any other school, so I went there, and uh, yeah, I was there for four years. Uh, let's go back. Uh, we'll continue on with the education just a minute. But let's go back. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the the Bowman family. Any siblings? Yeah, I have a, a older sister, um, fourteen months older, uh, Amy, and uh, she lives currently in Prosper, Texas, with her husband Matthew, and they have one son. Um, and then I have a younger sister, Ashley. She's about. Should probably know this, but she's two and a half, three years younger than I am. <laughs> you should know that. Yep. And uh, yeah, she's got several children, and uh, she lives in near San Antonio hmm. with uh, her husband right now. Yeah. What was it like growing up in the Bowman family? Um, it was fun. It was really good. Uh, it was really. Um, I guess y'all depended upon each other a lot moving around like that. Oh yeah, we were really close knit. So you know, I mean, being a pastor's kid, um, we were at church all the time. Um, you know, we talked about God and Jesus all the time. It was just normal. And, um, and, and yeah, I mean, we, uh, we had great close family relationships. We laughed a lot. We're a big hugging family. I had huge extended family. It was almost like, you know, it really was kind of like the, I guess if you want to talk about an old show, it's kind of like the Waltons or something. I mean, we were just, <laughs> it was just a really idyllic, in my mind anyway, I might romanticize the past, but yeah. I don't think so. Like we just had a really solid, uh, good family. That's yeah. awesome. Well, tell me, you, you say you talk your mom and dad, obviously being uh, your dad, being a pastor and missionary, uh, talking a lot about God and, and, and yeah. having those conversations early on. Tell us a little bit about how you came to know Christ and how old you were, what was the circumstances? Yeah. So I came to know Christ when I was about six years old. Um, my dad was preaching, of course, that Sunday morning and it, it was a sermon on hell. Um, and I thought, I don't really want to go there. Um, but I, you know, responded at the end of the service. They had an invitation, like many churches used to do. I guess they still do. But uh, I responded at the end of the service. And I was kind of disappointed because he was like, um, hey, you, uh, we're going to sit you down next to your mom and we'll talk to you after the service, right? And I was a little, I remember being a little bit frustrated, like, this doesn't happen with anybody else, you know? <laughs> Why am I being treated Because I'm the preacher's kid, right? <laughs> and so anyway, um, no, but they took me home, and I remember uh, I call it the conversation in a big red chair, a big chair to me at the time, but I just talked with my mom and dad uh, about um, understanding uh, uh, what Christ did on the cross, understanding the resurrection, 
And, you know, I just really was under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Mm. I think they were aware of that. I was aware of that. You know, um, they didn't want me to make a decision just because I understood the facts, right? That's easy to do. And I uh, understand that now as a parent myself. But, um, yeah, so so I was just under conviction of the Holy Spirit and uh, prayed to receive Christ. And Dad baptized me the next Sunday, and, yeah, wow. it was great. Wow. So from there, growing up, uh, continuing, I'm sure, to, to grow in your faith. Right. Talk a little bit about your call to vocational ministry, because I know that began at a fairly young age as well for you. Yeah, well, we were always involved in ministry, and especially when we were on the mission field, probably the second time in Barbados, I was about uh, third. I guess I was twelve or thirteen, probably thirteen when we went there. And you know, we there were several churches that my dad was responsible for, um, not overseeing, but just guiding, I guess, and um, uh, planning events for. And so it was just kind of normal. Uh, some of the churches we'd go to, they would have um, classes for kids my age, you know, for students or whatever. But there weren't any. Uh, students that might have um, been Christians for a long time. So it was very natural for me to teach Sunday school or to lead a VBS group. You know, um, there wasn't a, uh, it wasn't like it happens a lot of time in the United States, right? I wasn't like, here, you're a kid, you go to kids ministry, or here, you're a youth, you go to youth ministry. It was, um, what can you do to help? What can you do to lead? You know, I'd even lead adult, well, I say I would lead, but I would follow my dad's instructions and help lead adult volunteers when they would come down, right? So you were serving from a very early age. Oh, yeah. Like we would help lead uh, um, adults on prayer walks. And that's the first time I really felt, um, uh, I guess, led to ministry was I was leading a, actually a team of adults from a seminary somewhere in Florida. I can't remember where, but um, I was leading them on a prayer walk. And as we were all praying, I felt God sort of begin to tell me that uh, he wanted me to serve him. And, How old were you at that time? Do you remember? Uh, I was, yeah, I do. I was, I was 15. 15. I was yeah. 15. Yeah. And it was a great day. I mean, we went to um, all kinds of homes, door to door. We didn't have a single house that we knocked on where somebody didn't pray to receive Christ. It was just like a monumental day mm. of ministry and evangelism. And so, yeah, I was 15 wow. when I first uh, sort of... So how did that progress from there? Well, I'm stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stubborn and I'm a little bit foolish. So, you know, um, God, uh, I just prayed. I get, It's not really that. So growing up in ministry, you see maybe the, uh, it's not all daisies and roses, right, side of things. Um, and we uh, had some... Uh, you know, I just think there's situations where I saw my my family being treated unjustly uh, because of all the variety of reasons people can think of, right? Mm. Power struggles and all the things that I tell people if it wasn't for conflict, we wouldn't have the majority of the New Testament, right? It was all written in response to conflict in the church, right? So we should expect it, but I didn't want to uh, um, really uh, do ministry. I wanted to be a veterinarian. I wanted to be a of course, I was into this old show called Jag at the time. I wanted to be a fighter pilot. You know, I wanted to do something else. And, um, yeah, and so I just began to pray, though, you know, God, if you want me to to, to do this, just speak really clearly to me. And uh, one night when I was uh, 18, I was supposed to sing the church special. And, I again, God was just convicting me um, that I needed to say yes to, to do a ministry, and I didn't want to do it, so I snuck off to the youth room. Um, and my dad came and found me, and he just he gave me this really good talk because he kind of knew what was going on, but he wasn't. Uh, my dad just w- wasn't a very, uh, you know. I mean, if 
so, you know, if you tell some, a kid to do something, they're a teenager, they'll probably go do the opposite. Right. right. So he just kind of sensed that that's where God was moving me, but he didn't want to be the reason that I was pushed there. And, uh, he just, uh, told me, you know, um, what's, what's going on, Jonathan? I was like, well, um, uh, God is speaking to me, but I don't really want to respond. And he was like, since when does, uh, what you want factor in the, in the equation? Mm-hmm. And so, and he kind of left me by myself <laughs> after that point. And he wasn't mean about it. He was just very quiet and frank about it. That was kind of his nature. And uh, anyway, so I, I left that room and uh, yeah, I knew that I was called to ministry. Mm. So, Wow. What are some other spiritual watermarks in your life as you look back since that time? I mean, there's just been a lot, um, a lot of things God has done. Um I mean, I think he made it pretty clear where he wanted me to go to school. Um, uh, you know, of course, uh, marrying my wife, Jessica, uh, that was pretty clear. Uh, How did y'all meet? Okay, well, um, she's going to tell the story differently than I am, and she'll probably tell it the right way. But no, that we were, so I was a seminary student at uh, Southwestern in Fort Worth, and she had already graduated with her uh, degrees to her master's degree from TCU and she was working in the school system anyway so I was a a seminary student in Fort Worth and I had to go to chapel every day and uh, there's a a girl that I sat by in chapel she's like hey you really need to date my friend right and this happened for a year and a half and I was just like no (laughs) I don't really I'm not really interested but they they conned me into going to a they sort of tricked me and conned me into going this uh, apple dipping party in the fall. I've never heard of an apple dipping party, right? So this was made up just to get me there, probably probably not. But mm. but um, anyway, so I go to this apple dipping party where you dip apples in a, a caramel oh, okay. and decorate them and stuff. Yeah, it's never not, knew that was a party thing. It's not but, like yeah. apple snuff or anything like that. Yeah. Not that kind of apple dipping. But yeah, so you dip uh, apples in caramel and, and stuff like that. And I met Jessica, and I thought, hmm, I might want to ask this girl out. So uh, we hung out one other time uh, after that. And on that occasion, I had to use her computer for something. And I put my name into her search history uh, on her computer, and uh, my name came up. And all the links that she had. So she had already been. She already been stalking you. Yeah, she'd already been feeling the Jonathan Bowman vibe. So I'm sure um, she's grateful that you're sharing this little bit yeah. of information. Yeah, and so I could. So her <laughs> friends were there too, and I could just sort of feel the embarrassment level rise in the room. And so, being me, I just sat there very quietly and clicked on every link and talked about it very slowly. And uh, after just that, milk the awkwardness for all it was worth. Oh, I love it. And then after that, I just uh, um, was like, if I ask this girl out on a date, she'll say yes. So I love your confidence. Yep. <laughs> so how long have you and Jessica been married now? We've been married uh, 12 years. 12 years. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. While we're on that subject, tell us about your, your children, their names, ages, and a little bit about them. Okay. Well, Annalise is nine and... Uh, if I describe Annalise, she's very caring, very smart, um, and very structured and organized. And then uh, David is seven, and David is, um, I guess he gets it from me. He's a little bit of a loose cannon, under the radar uh, kind of guy. <laughs> Uh-oh. And uh, uh, no, they're just both very uh, sweet. Uh, Annalise has already uh, uh, given her life over to Christ, fell under conviction of the Lord. Uh, David, we're still talking to him about his salvation and 
probably if I wanted to, I could make him make a decision, right? But yeah. But um, he understands the gospel. He gets teary-eyed when he hears the gospel, but he's mm. just not, you know, uh, quite there yet. But they're wonderful kids, uh, great kids, and we have a lot of we laugh a whole lot in our house. So that's good. Yeah, laughter is good. Any other spiritual uh, watermarks, things that kind of stand out uh, over the last 10, 15 years? Yeah, well, I mean, just growing in ministry. I think um, God growing me in ministry through the different places had me served. Uh, when I first uh, began uh, serving Him in ministry, I was pretty uh, introverted and fairly quiet, actually. Um, and I just had a couple of pastors, uh, Gary Dimmitt, who's in uh, Bridgeport, Texas. And then I had another pastor, Don Phillips in Arkansas. And they just both instilled in me uh, just to write ministries about people, mm. uh, be out there with the people, love on your people. Uh, some of the best time that you're going to do in ministry is when you're around people. And so that was a lot of spiritual growth. I guess the most recent marker, of course, would be, I mean, which you know and we've talked about, but would be uh, my dad got diagnosed with uh, terminal brain cancer in uh, 2019. And uh, then he passed in uh, uh, on, uh, I think, December 27th mm. or 26th, uh, this last December. Yeah. So that was a, a big spiritual turning point for me as well. And uh, just a lot of still growing and learning from that, but a lot of growth going through that yeah. as well. And as you've shared with me, your dad was, was pretty important to you. Yeah, he really was. I mean, he was... Um, I mean, he even said it. I remember the day I was going to college, right? He was like, I'm going to miss Jonathan. We, because, you know, we did move so much, and we were on the mission field so much, um, uh, the mission field so much that he really was, I mean, we really were best friends, mm. right? Wow. And so he'd even tell the church, uh, I'm going to miss Jonathan. Uh, when I was going to college, he told the church, I'm going to miss Jonathan. You know, he's my best friend. And we just really were. We were that way. Not every guy has that kind of relationship with his dad. But it was very much we could sit and watch a Longhorn game or a Cowboy. You know, we could just sit in the same room and kind of know what each other's thinking. Uh, we would um, get on this. It used to drive my mom crazy. We'd get on this kick where Dad would tell a, a corny dad joke, and I couldn't stop laughing. He couldn't stop laughing. And then 15 <laughs> minutes later, somebody else breaks out laughing, and you just can't stop. So we just had a really unique uh, relationship. And, you know, he was just my mentor and, mm. and everything. I mean, he took me— uh, uh, just he really discipled me. I mean, I went to visitation with him. I went to uh, 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 funeral visitation with him. Uh, prospective church members uh, sat in their houses. So just um, you know, and just the way that he carried himself. Mm. I wish I could be more like him. I'm a little bit more abrasive and uh, uh, not as all not always as couth <laughs> as I probably should be. Um, but he was just a he was just a godly man, mm. so a great guy. Yeah, yep, great servant of the Lord. Well, that's a, a neat uh, neat legacy that he leaves behind, even with uh, yeah those memories and uh, yeah and what you're able to do now as a minister. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think going through all that just really, um, I think one of the things that comes out of that is it. Yeah, we all have a limited amount of time, mm. and uh, um, most people aren't going to remember us. <laughs> Uh, most of us after we're gone. Yeah. And so you really need to focus on what's most important, which is list, lifting up Jesus, not lifting up yourself. Absolutely. Um, because nobody's going to remember you. 
<laughs> you just hope they remember Jesus. That's right. Yeah. Well, I know my, my next question kind of comes as a as part of all that because I wanted to talk about your call here to McGregor and kind of how that all happened and transpired. And I know the loss of your father was was part of that in some ways, right? Yeah, well, it was a big catalyst for me to sort of take stock of um, what sort of minister I want to be. Um, what I, what do I really believe that a healthy church is? What does a healthy church look like? And uh, yeah, so I um, just uh, uh, was ready to uh, make a transition. And, mm. and uh, uh, during that time, yeah, I found my way to to McGregor. Yeah. So. I know we were talking about this before we started recording about uh, talking about the, the process of coming here and you yep. quickly said it's a long process. It is a very long <laughs> process. You know, so, you know, I, I don't know if people know, but we went through that Vanderblom and search group, right? Right. So that's like three or four interviews. Before you even get to us, before right? Before I even got to you. <laughs> and uh, my wife had to make a video. I had to make a video. We made a, a video as our family. And then all that, I suppose, was submitted to y'all on this huge TV that uh, y'all have in that conference room. We were massive on that screen. But anyway, um, and then, yeah, we had six we had six interviews with y'all, maybe more. Yeah. Personnel committee interview, uh, elder interview, just uh, initial visits. So it was very long, yeah. very long and detailed. What was, what, was, what was your takeaway in going through that process? Uh-uh. Yeah, well, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because y'all asked whatever question uh, you wanted to, right? And I enjoyed it too because y'all were very receptive uh, to us asking whatever we wanted to. Mm. And my biggest takeaway is just, you know, that we were on the same page when it comes to, I guess to use big words, but when it comes to ecclesiology, when it comes to um, uh, various doctrines, when it comes to soteriology, uh, what we think about how we think God wants us to serve him and make mm-hmm. disciples. I mean, it was just very, uh, very unified. So that long process allowed a lot of that to come out and for you to know who we were. Right. For us as well to get to know you through that process. Yeah. Well, there's no way I was going to move my family from Texas to Florida if uh, if there wasn't an alignment and if we right. weren't sure that God wanted a wanted this right you know and y'all were the same way too absolutely i mean there's yes. no way y'all were going to call somebody that you weren't 100 percent positive that the lord was in it right and that was great the the just for those that are listening uh you know jonathan mentioned all those those interviews but that process you know it starts with a our search committee and we had a, a group of people that had been uh, voted on by our church uh, by our congregation to serve as that search committee. And that's the, the group that began that process of looking through different candidates that Vanderblum and gave us. And uh, that's where all these interviews began to happen. Uh, that that search committee had, I think four of those interviews of those six were with the search committee, three over Zoom, and then a fourth one in person finally. And then you had the interview with the personnel committee because after the search committee had made their decision, then it went to the personnel committee. Then after the personnel committee, it went to the elders, and they you had an interview with the elders as well. Right. And then ultimately, the elders made the recommendation to our church body, and the church body then made the ultimate final decision on right. calling Jonathan for our minister to adult position here. So yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a long process, but as you said, I think it allows a lot of that stuff to happen in that process. And so while it might not be super efficient, it's probably the most effective way and 
a way that we feel as a church allows God's spirit to work through his people to, to make that determination. Well, I'd say it was efficient. You know, you want to, it's sort of like a job hiring, kind of like marriage counseling. Like you want to get through those things on the front end <laughs> and not have them pop up on the back end. Later, right. Right. Because you made some some rash rash decision, so absolutely. I just mentioned your title for the first time. You're minister to adults. Uh, so, do you know what that means? <laughs> yeah. How would you define your position <laughs> as a as really new, still staff person? Yeah. Well, so I think that uh, so I'm uh, over adults that are under fifty five, uh, married and singles, right. Uh, singles of any age, I believe. Correct. And then, um, yeah, my my role in that is to uh, encourage disciple making, evangelism, and also to just plug, make sure everybody's act being an active part of the body of Christ. Mm, yes. Right. That we're uh, just all uh, engaged in serving and following the Lord. Yeah. So yeah. You mentioned earlier the some of the things you learned from those early pastors you served with about the relationship. How would you define? Uh, your leadership style, uh, ministry style, uh, for somebody that, that did not know you at all? Yeah, well, I'm pretty, um, I sort of mold myself to the person that I'm around, right? So I'm sort of a, I guess I have a servant-hearted ministry style, you know? Hmm. Um, I try to take an interest in whatever the person that I'm around is interested in. Um, I'll even... Uh, sort of mold my interaction based on who they are. I don't expect uh, people to, that's one thing you learn on the mission field, right? Is you adapt to your surroundings. Mm. You don't expect your surroundings to adapt to you. Mm. And you also learn to that you have to adapt fairly quickly, right? If you're gonna build relationships. Being an MK, if uh, our missionary kid, if um, teams were coming down and I wanted to get to know them, I had about a week, right? to uh, form relationships. So you learn within the first couple of days, you ask questions about the person, uh, see what they're about, you you show a general interest in them and uh, just build relationships faster that way. Yeah. 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 So that's the way I try to lead. I just take a, I do have a genuine love for other people um, and I'm willing to, um, I don't fake it, but I'm willing to mold myself to your world, hmm. right? Instead of expecting you to uh, mold yourself to me, and you know, it's, and it's not fake again because I genuinely love other people because Christ loves other people. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think that would be something I would say is is very true about you already. That you definitely <laughs> care about people and you enjoy being around people and want to be around people. Right. I think that's that's a good good sign for uh, somebody that's called to ministry that they actually yeah. enjoy being around people. That's true. You hear the, the the joke that you know, boy, ministry would be easy if it weren't for people. But yeah, uh, yeah that's uh, that's not a not a good approach. And if you want to be an effective yeah minister of the, of the gospel, um, as a minister to adults, you have that those different responsibilities. Anything uh, else that kind of excites you about being here at McGregor and the the ministry aspect? Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of opportunity for outreach still. I think there's um, a lot of opportunity for evangelism. Um, I sort of told the committee when I came, I mean, there's no shortage of lost people in the world, right? Mm -hmm. So um, every person we meet is an opportunity. Or, um, so I'm excited about that. And then I'm, I am excited to get to know um, the different leaders, the different teachers. I'm excited to get to know... Um, uh, more of the staff, uh, what y'all have in place already. 
um, to learn from y'all. Um, you know, so um, I, I don't. <laughs> this is my excited face, but <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I really am. I'm just, I am. I'm full of full of excitement, and I'm ready to go. All so. right, all right. So, uh, outside of the ministry, what are some things about being in Florida that you're excited about? Oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna hunt an alligator for sure. Um, uh, you know, I think you, I've already looked that up. You have to enter like a special draw or something to do that. But I'm gonna do that. All right. Not an um, alligator. Yeah, I'm sorry. Have your wife signed off on that? Well, mm, she doesn't have to see me hunt the alligator. Okay. So, right. <laughs> but she is aware that that's what I'm going to do. And then, um, yeah, I want to try everything. Like I said, I'm sort of in this phase where uh, life is short, right? So, uh, we're looking forward to doing uh, Disney, of course. I'm, you know, that probably sounds like somebody coming to Texas and say we're going to Six Flags. You know, some native Floridians, but uh, my kids love the Disney stuff. Um, uh, I love going to beaches. We all love going to beaches. I like to find a nice sort of secluded beach. I don't know if such a thing exists uh, in Florida. You found one that uh, carries your name, did? That's right, Bowman's Beach yeah. on a on a oh, what's the island's name? Santa Sanibel. Sanibel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we already own a beach. So you got your own beach. You're That's good. awesome. You're yeah. good to go. I'll kick everybody off. This is my beach. <laughs> well, we're super excited to have you and Jessica here and your kids. And we are definitely looking forward to getting to know you and serving with you. And I think uh, it, it just, I'm excited as well to have you. And uh, I think our church is, is excited as well. Uh, so I think this wraps up this episode of Here at Home. Okay. I think we've gone long enough, Jonathan. All right. And if they want to get to know you a little bit more then they can call you up and take you out for coffee, right? Right, or let me take them out for coffee. Or let you take them out for coffee, or lunch, or breakfast, or, or whatever. But thank you, Jonathan, for joining us and being a part of our Here at Home podcast. And thank you, listeners, also for being a part of our Here at Home podcast community. And as I said earlier, if you haven't subscribed yet to the podcast, please do that. And if you like the podcast, share it with your friends. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks back here at home.